Hey there, welcome to the Golden Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hockham, photographer and founder of the Golden Brand. What is it that drives you forward even when the next step feels like jumping off of a cliff? On the Golden Brand Podcast, we focus on seeing the unseen, bringing moments to life. Join me for conversations with creatives, embracing curiosity, possibility, and pivots. On this podcast, we focus on the moment you realize your idea has legs, and we uncover what happens next. Welcome to the Golden Brand Pod. We're so glad you're here. Hey there, welcome back to the Golden Brand Pod. Does your self-image story need a new chapter? This week, I am joined by a very special guest. Her name is Becca Post, and she is the first self-portrait studio member to come on the pod with me. Becca joined the studio with the simple intention of reconnecting with the woman that she is in the present moment. She was incorporating her roles as a new mama, a business founder, a partner, and Becca was ready for a new chapter in her self-image story. I'm going to let her introduce herself to you in a moment, but I know you're going to love our discussion and resonate with her story. Perhaps you'll even see a little bit of yourself in it. Welcome, Becca. I'm so excited for this conversation with you for several reasons. First of all, there is so much overlap in what we do and much connection in our approach to wholeness and healing and how we help people. And second, this is a very special special celebration and a special episode because you are the very first member of the self-portrait studio on the golden brand pod so that makes this conversation even more precious are you ready to jump into the conversation yeah i'm really excited to be here let's Good. do it i'm so excited as well uh there's so many things i want to get into and talk to you about but first let's walk it back and start from the beginning can you give us an idea of who becca was when she was young uh what did you picture your life would be like and who did you think you would be oh my gosh i read that question before when you're prep and it's still so hard to answer <laughs> um I was a pretty anxious kiddo growing up. Um, I had a lot of big feelings, a lot of experiences um, that kind of challenged me to always be seeking control. Um, I was not very adventurous. <laughs> um, definitely like more of a people pleaser, perfectionist um not rebellious at all I was I was like such a good kid <laughs> is like the truth of the nature of how I was growing up um I did what people wanted of me and I um I kind of let that be the guide of my life and so when I was little I I think one of the ways I did rebel now that I'm like reflecting on it in the state of like this question is that I I didn't have a clear picture of like what my life would look like at all um, I think I was always so stuck in survival mode that I tended to really 
not look forward except to the idea of getting out of whatever scenario or situation or feeling I had. The only thing that was very clear was I imagined myself moving as far away as I could um, from where I grew up. That's so interesting. It's so interesting that you pictured moving away even when you were in that state of surviving from moment to moment because it's when you're in all of the feelings in that state of survival and you pretty much just described my childhood as well, by the way. So before we started recording, we were talking about how we're both generators and we're both sacral generators. And um, I was joking saying we're, you know, same side of the same coin and listening to you describe those feelings. It's almost like there's no room to picture what the future could possibly be like, but you just move in a forward or in a way direction. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely a flight response. Like, Mm -hmm. put me in survival mode and I will exit as fast as I can. (laughs) (laughs) And see, that's where I excel. I switch into Mm -hmm. the place of cold, collected, calm. Mm -hmm. As a crisis, I just, I I am a completely different person. Um, And yeah, so I used to think that that was kind of my special sauce for a long time. And I lived there for a long time. Um, So I'm glad. I'm glad to not be in that anymore. Well, bring me to the present then. So how wanting to get away, and I know what you do now. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, well, just give us a little introduction and a little bio about yourself, because I think that will kind of put the pieces together between that early moment and who you are today. Yeah, I think um, we'll start with the most ironic part, which is I, I do live now like 1,500 miles away from where I grew up. I grew up on the East Coast, and I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, but the more ironic piece is that my entire family lives here, <laughs> and they are actually the reason that I live here <laughs> um, because they moved here first. And so I think it's funny because I tried – my image, right, was to get away, and mostly it was to kind of get away from my family, and um, now we're all here. We live in a different place, but we're still all together, um, and so I live in Utah. I am a clinical social worker who owns a private practice mental health therapy clinic um, in Salt Lake, and we also offer coaching to those um, who are looking to explore what it looks like for their lives after therapy. Um, my business is entirely built out of my own, um, reaction to the mental health system, to my own work. Um, every piece of it is very much a part of me and what has worked. It it really is probably one of the most vulnerable aspects of myself when I really, really think about it, um, is like, is my business and the foundation of it. I also am a wife. I am a new mama to an almost 10-month-old who is a riot as a little babe. Um, I am literally no longer in control of my life. He is very um, in much in control. <laughs> um, and I'm a, a, also a dog mom. I think I, I'm like obsessed with my dog. So I always feel like that's like really key for people to understand about me. There's nothing to get you, I mean, especially for a self-aware person, there's nothing to get you out of perfectionist mode, quite like a dog and a child. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to get you to let go of control as well, mm-hmm. which is like, I want to spend some time talking about that today, control, self-perception, because, you know, of the overlap, the work that you do with your clients and what I do with my clients inside the Self-Portrait Studio, which you now know all of those secrets and the magic that mm-hmm. Um, there is 
there is so much of that to be found on the other side of giving up control and, um, you know, just recognizing where that fear is coming from. And I did my research, you know, on your professional, the professional side of Becca before this podcast interview. And I love this quote, and you, I think you have this on your website as well, but you mentioned working with wholeness seekers, trapped achievers, karmic breakers, family shakers, and emotional feelers. And just out of curiosity, do you fall into one or maybe a few of those categories yourself? Oh, literally all of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally all of them. Um, when we were building out our brand for a business, which, which is like a very new way of viewing a mental health business, that's, that's not a common piece. And, and that it was also very important to me to have. We were like, I really... When I got into this field, I felt a lot like the expectation was for me to get really good at working with one type of population using one specific model where I could explain to people in a very articulate way that sounded really smart and therapeutic and mental health, like the perfect, the perfect therapist, right? Like, this is who I am. This is who I work with. This is what I do. And that is it. And through a lot of self-work over the last seven years that that's not who I am, um, really challenging that mold of that perfectionist of, of the desire to be the best, um, really helped break down these self-identifiers that we use because I really want to challenge myself and my clients and my therapist team to look outside of what we get diagnosed with and start to identify with like these parts of ourselves that are both good and bad, depending on how they're being used. Um, and so mostly when we, when I was working on this, it was very much related to how, if I could relabel all of myself and the aspects of myself and how I feel like my role is and who I am, what would it be? And those were the words. Amazing. And did you take yourself through this work first? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Two sides of the same coin. Again, that that is exactly, you know, how the self-portrait studio was born was asking, is there a different is there a different way? Do I do I have to do things the way that they were done before or expected? Um, and then, you know, what modality could I use to explore a different part of myself? And I think you've carved a really unique space for yourself in the mental health industry. And you're uniquely situated to help people who who are experiencing life the way that that you do and you currently are. Because um, therapy is an ongoing thing. It's not like <laughs> we're always growing. We are always healing. We always have a new level. There's always something else to explore. The difficult parts aren't, you know, permanent. We move through the discomfort onto a new plateau, but we should always be coming up against the next thing to discover and to work on. Do you find that as well with your clients? Yeah. I mean, I found that personally and I found that with my clients significantly. I think actually, I think doing it personally and then having it, the experience validated with my clients really normalized a lot of the gaps that I've felt like there have been in, in my personal journey with mental health work um, and really validated like a lot of where I was getting stuck and, and then decided to explore different ways of kind of processing that. Like I went, started traditional therapy at like 10 years old and then was in and out of it and did like a stay in 
an inpatient and then a stay in a residential boarding school um, and then kind of like took a break from therapy. And then when I moved out here, I started just exploring different modalities. Uh, I got really into yoga. I started doing a lot more mindfulness, meditation, kind of like moving into this space of spirituality less therapy focused more what can i what can i gain out of being a more spiritual individual and then like i'm partially trained in reiki and like i'm like really into intuitive work and somatic work and like all these things started to like enter my sphere of healing and um kind of like bringing them in with my clients helped me see like oh, I level up when I like introduce something different to myself. Mm -hmm. And that allows me to integrate my healing in a new way. What if I like tested that with my clients? Um, And that's actually how we got to the idea of having this like after therapy for coaching, which is the idea that like there is a space where you can go after therapy ends or you graduate or or you just kind of feel done with it and you feel kind of stuck, but you're like, I want – a safe place to land. I want a place to cultivate because that was all I was ever looking for. Like I was only ever looking for a space where somebody was just going to like let me word vomit my life out for like 90 minutes and then help me piece it back together in a way that felt practical and useful and then kind of like let me and then intuitively figure out what that looks like, which um, therapy can do that and like not to say it can't, but I think a lot of us crave not getting attached to that diagnosis now and and having the space outside of that really has been a beautiful experience and really healing for both me and a lot of my clients. Yeah. I think there can be a lot of self-identification too that happens with a particular um, diagnosis or interchangeably a label, right? Mm -hmm. So if we think of something as a diagnosis or a label, it's, it's inherently limiting. And even if you, uh, okay, this is a really bad example, but um, reading a new book. And last night, there was a quiz that went with it to see, are you a highly sensitive person? And, you know, it was check these boxes, and you could check as many as you wanted. And at the end, you got a score. And I think that for me, the score didn't match what I was expecting to get. So I went back and maybe questioned, like, did I have something? Mm to try to fit that box a little bit more. And I think that happens, you know, for example, they're not photogenic. I'm not photogenic. I can't take a photo. They just, they, you limit yourself with this label or um, I'm high anxiety. So I need everything. My, my system cannot handle certain or or stressors at all, whether, um, because in reality, if you break it down, there's actually stress that you are subject to all the time that's just integrated stress you're not realizing it but it's actually these bigger more obvious stress pieces that do affect you or send you over the top um so i think that there's a self-fulfilling prophecy with diagnosis and labels and it's just kind of a it's a dangerous game to get into yeah and i think like even a big part of like our work at least for me with my clients because this i think is the thing that has helped me the absolute most is being able to understand that like being a trapped achiever that's a part of me that's not all of me that is a part of me being someone who is constantly seeking wholeness is a part of me not all of me being a family shaker and the person who is like constantly challenging the norm in their families is a part of me it's not all of me and together those pieces are who I am as a person and I get to choose how they show up I get to be in the space of like, okay, yeah, it makes sense for me to like 
be anxious about doing this podcast with you because a we've never met in person and like we've talked mostly over Voxer and we had like one virtual call right and so yeah that's an acceptable place for me to be anxious <laughs> right and I'm allowed to be anxious does it mean that I am I am my anxiety absolutely not but like being able to separate those things and zoom out enough to see like all of these pieces and these skills that I've developed and these ways that I've understood the way that I cope like whether it's I understand that the way I cope is by being a highly sensitive person. I've just like dove into this perfectionist book and it's really helped me normalize my forms of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And so the labels that we give help people like understand themselves better, but then we like overdo it. It's a yes. It should be a yes and approach rather yeah, than, totally. you know, with a period at the end of it. <laughs> And I think like what I, what a big part of our work is and like with the way that I view the world is saying like, yeah, I'm going to give you this diagnosis and like it might not fit in six months. That's normal. Or it might go away and then you come back and you still qualify for it. Or it might be here or parts of it might be here and just like allowing it to be like this isn't all of you and I see you as so much more than what, what the world expects of you. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize too, that that part of you will always be there. I mean, it just oh, may not yeah. be loud or it may not be in the driver's seat to the extent that it is right now at this moment, but you will be able to look at whatever that part is with some distance and maybe even cultivate a little empathy for that. Because I know that that was a big block for me it was just, Hey, like there's so much outward empathy for everything in the world, but for these parts of myself that are just going to be at my core and they're always going to be there. Can I stop pushing against them? And can I start having a little self-kindness, you know, or self-compassion? It's actually a really great quote that I heard. And it was, it was self-confidence is asking if I'm good enough. And then self-compassion is asking what's good for me. And that's the shift. I mean, that's like the, the space in between the moment that you make a decision to not identify with something completely anymore and to explore that there are other options out there for you. And, you know, in the work that we both do, catching people when they're in that moment of space, when they they get excited and they're actually considering that there might be a solution or a different possibility and a different pathway forward. I'm wondering for you, what was that? Do you have a definitive moment when you realize that for yourself? Because there must have been something. You're going, you're in traditional therapy, you're trying all these different modalities, you're looking at all these holistic methods. What was the moment that you just, where it just clicked for you and you just shifted? I actually think it's kind of twofold. I think this shit, one shift really happened when I moved out to Utah and I started seeing a therapist who actually diagnosed me with an eating disorder. And the, and, and the reason I got diagnosed, like just so that I know this can be like super triggering for listeners or like people, but like uh, she made me go to a clinic where they like text, tested how many calories you burn at resting level. And I was way way, way under what is a healthy range. Um, but my whole life up until that point, everybody always assumed that if I was less anxious and less controlling, I would start eating again. And so that was a really big piece. I think a shift for me in understanding that like the mental health world can miss things if you are really good at hiding them. Mm -hmm. And then so I think that for me opened the doors of like this, this isn't always right. 
Like that started the questioning. And then when the pandemic hit, I was also in my Saturn return. And my therapist at the time was like, I think you need to get an astrology reading. <laughs> um, because you're in your Saturn return. And she was like, you're, this is just a time where like your stuff is going to come back. And it can be really helpful to have this like outside kind of like feedback about the cycle that you're in right now. Um, and what I got out of the reading was <laughs> that I'm like a deeply intuitive person. And a big way that I cope with the world is by trying to hide that. And yeah. so then I got that reading, I started like doing some more deep dives into like, I was I mean, I was trapped at home. So like what I had no outside influence. It was the first time in my life where I didn't have to go to work and hear what people were saying, or I didn't have to do this training. I didn't have to do this thing. I had no outside influence. I was like alone in my house with my husband and our dog. And so I started like kind of deep diving into what intuitiveness is. And I started working with a coach and then I found human design and everything kept telling me the same thing, <laughs> which was like, you're a deeply intuitive person. And like, human design told me the same thing. Like the reason the world feels really hard is like you're a two, four profile. So like everything to you comes naturally, but the world wants you to explain it. And so like, how do you learn to tolerate that? Like, how do you learn to build this? And so I was like, oh my gosh, these outside modalities are so validating to my internal experience of the world. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I wonder what it would be like to start integrating them with my clients and seeing how that shifted what they've done. And now they're like a foundational part of when I work with clients, they're a foundational part of how I run my business, of how I work with my team, what I know about them. And it just like was this like, oh, I can own this part of myself that I've kept really, really small for so long, whether or not the world understands it. Okay, there's so many good things here. My my first question is how, okay, this it's, it's related, so just stick with me. But okay. you on something that I think is really interesting at the beginning of what you were saying, which is sometimes we feel the need to be performative. And so mm -hmm. but people being really good at hiding things. And so a therapist can obviously miss that if you are just sitting across from them, trying to get them on your side or trying to tell them what you think they need to hear. So I'm wondering, because I know you're very good at catching this for yourself. And I think it might be connected to what you just said about learning to trust your intuition and learning that that should be your first go-to baseline for everything. So how do you keep your clients from stopping their progress because they're falling into the need to be performative and they're not paying attention to their intuition? Ooh, I think that can be really hard to pick up with clients depending on how it is and depending on the client. So one of the things that I've really learned to build with my clients is like a larger vocabulary of separating like what is a little, I use a lot of parts work now. So like what is a little kid way of saying one thing and what's the adult way of saying something um, to be able to separate like where is the actual truth and what I feel. Um, so like the example of like, I'm not good enough is a very like little kid way of like throwing a tantrum, right? And then saying like, I'm not good enough to be able to run my business to successfully is the adult way of saying like, oh, where are the areas that I feel not good enough in running my business? And where can I seek support specifically for that? Not I'm not good enough in general. So learning to establish the difference in the way that we phrase and do things is really key with my clients um, and the way that I work. But I think the 
the biggest shift has been me allowing myself to also step into my intuitiveness and allowing my gifts to shine through. And so like specifically, I'm very, very like I'm an empath and, and that term kind of irks me because it's like so big right now. <laughs> it's so popular. Thanks, TikTok. Um, but like I it, through human design and astrology, like I've learned that I I am that is what I am. Like it is I feel other people's emotions at my core. And I can like step fully, fully into them. It's what makes it's what makes me burn out my job so quickly. Um, and allowing myself to be grounded in a space where I can step into that with my clients to be like, well, are you actually feeling this or this? Because this is what I'm noticing. And then my intuitiveness allows them to step into a place of being more intuitive, right? Because I'm demonstrating what it could look like to like test what that theory is. So how do you because that does sound like a big energy exchange going back and forth. How do you put boundaries around your reserves? Um, that's a great question. I think it's a <laughs> work in progress. I also think like, I, I think the pandemic really highlighted for me that like, I'm not as extroverted as I think that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think learning about my like human design to foreness or like in astrology, I refer to it as like, I'm a Libra sun and cap moon and sad rising. And those kind of things are all in, <laughs> they don't get along. Yeah. Um, and like a two, four, the nature of a two, four is like, I want to be around people and I feel so energized and then like also hide me away. So I actually like, I stopped working in an office. Um, I own an office. I have an office where my employees work. I go in now once or twice a week. I don't see clients in person though. I see my team in person. I'll do their meetings in person, but I see all of my clients remotely because one of the things I found when I had to switch everything to virtual was my energy of being able to be in my own space without taking on theirs by being in the same space yes. changed the entire way I work. Yeah. I, I mean, that's brilliant to just simply have an office space where they can be together and then you can come and go as you need to um, so that you're not there trying to read the room, <laughs> absorbing yeah. uh, solving everyone's problems while I'm trying to see clients. It's been the biggest yes. boundary issue. I can speak to the desire to solve because it comes so easy. It's so simple. You feel it, you know, the direction, but I've realized for me, as I've been doing a lot of boundary work this last year, that I'm not great at honoring someone else's boundary. I'm not inserting Mm -hmm. myself or I'm not being asked, but I've decided to not solve unless I'm directly asked for help solving. Mm -hmm. And that has protected my energy a lot. I actually, um, I wasn't doing a great job with that. But for the past month, I've just really been working on it. And the past couple of days, I've felt myself come back online. I felt my light start to come back. And I have space in my brain now to start generating all these ideas, which that's my fuel. That's the reason why I jump out of bed in the morning It is like this list of things that I cannot wait to dig into and do. But if I'm not looking at those boundaries on a daily case by case basis, I tend to find I don't have anything for myself left. And I think that's just too hard one to give away that easily. You know, when yeah. you find out that space, like you, you cannot just give that away. That has to be a very specific circumstance. And I think that that's just a different way of valuing yourself that you come to at some point in your life. There's something that happens, you go through a trial, you make a decision, you have a transformation, and you are less likely to backslide from there. And this 
like not the most elegant segue, but I do want to talk about everything, you know, now that we all know you and we know your journey and you're just so beautifully vulnerable and transparent. And I know you work magic for your clients. So I have goosebumps just thinking about what happens for them. But for you, I want to bring it back to you because you made the decision to join the self-portrait studio. (laughs) And you made the decision to put yourself in front of the camera and to examine yourself from this external lens. Um, And I know the reason why you joined, but do you mind sharing with us the reason for that? Yeah, I am trying to even remember what I wrote now when I think about it, but I'm pretty sure... If I remember correctly, it was like a very intuitive decision. So I just kind of went with it. But it it was, I had a baby 10 months ago and my pregnancy was like a whirlwind of losing myself pretty rapidly. It felt like we had been trying for a while to get pregnant. It took a, a little over a year. I just have a lot of body stuff that's associated with like difficulties in getting pregnant. And then I got pregnant and ended up getting hyperemesis, which is which is just not a great combo for someone who has a history of an eating disorder, because <laughs> um, you just spend your entire pregnancy vomiting. Is that what that is? Because I was going to, yeah. I don't know that term. Yeah, it's like a pretty rare condition in for pregnancy. Um, but basically, like I instead of like gaining weight in my first trimester, I lost like the most weight I've lost in years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gained weight. And then, then I slowly like, my son was very placed to one side of my body. And so like, by the time he was born, which was six weeks early, just so everybody can also imagine that. Um, he, uh, I couldn't, I could barely walk. I was almost on bed rest. So I just like developed this like very old pattern in relationship with like my body betraying me and not feeling like it was enough and all of these things. And I think at the time when you reached out to me about joining the studio, we had been talking, I mean, we had been talking about it for a couple months, I think on and off, but I was finally in this place of like, I just need something back that's mine. Um, like that's not my business that allows me to be creative in a different way that allows me to start to see myself in this role I've all since our wedding well since our engagement photos I've gotten more comfortable in front of a camera and I think it became really impactful for me in my relationships and in my like in my self perception to have images of myself that felt very authentic and like allowed me to see into the life that sometimes gets blocked out. And so joining the self-portrait studio, I think was like kind of a test of like, can I do this for myself instead of having to hire someone to do it all the time? And like, what would it be like if instead of like showing my relationship or showing me and my kiddo, it's just, it's just me. Just me. And how did that feel? Just being you. I mean, at first it felt super weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Also, I was like doing it self-paced and there was a lot happening going on during the time. So I always felt like I was a little bit behind. But I think what I got to see was this transformation of like comfort in my own levels of creativity. Like Mm -hmm. that I could be creative, that I could start to gain what like feels best to myself and like I could um, be comfortable getting in front of a camera and like my hair up and spit up in my like just allowing myself to be like exactly where I was, which was my intention of the studio was to just like be 
as rawly messy humanness as I am in the state, which is like some days I go to a session not having showered. Some <laughs> days I'm like recording a podcast in my bathroom or like <laughs> kind of just like having these like small pieces of life and like allowing them to be. So I my intention was to be like, okay, this is just a messy season. And what if I just embrace that and allow myself to be seen that way? Yeah. And and that was your intention. And I think that's what you brought to it. And I it's so I have a quick, quick question for you, because you did mention creativity. Do you identify as creative? Absolutely not. I'm too over controlled. Um, it's like very hard for me to be creative. You confirmed. OK, you're <laughs> the fourth person to confirm. This week, I, I do think that people who have the control factor and the origin of the control kind of goes back to family of origin and, you know, just survival mode, self-protection, right? Um, it almost feels like an indulgence to have creativity, right? Like where yeah. does that fit in? And I did not, and this is really weird because I'm a photographer. So I didn't identify as a creative. I fought being a photographer for my whole life. I fought it. It was, it's been there the whole time. And I was like, Oh yeah, you're cute. Get in the passenger seat or better yet, get in the third row and we'll see. Um, but you know, you're not going to get in the driver's seat cause there's, we've got, we've got shit to do and taking photos doesn't, you know, it's not going to do it. And, <laughs> and so for me getting into, you know, putting the camera on myself, and tapping into the empathy that was also missing uh, with all the creativity and the permission to be creative and the realization that I actually am because it's so closely tied to intuition. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but it feels really, really good to be able to feel into a photo and then look at that image and see, like, that's how I was feeling. I see it reflected here. Yes, the lighting could be different. Yes, I wish I would have grabbed this angle. But I've managed to bring something internal and create an external object with it. And um, it feels like completion. It feels like a long time coming, a full circle moment to be able to do some form of creativity in that way. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, that makes a lot of sense. But I think the opposite end of it is like, that was my same journey with becoming like a healer or a therapist or even identifying with those things or even getting comfortable being vocal about how I run my business or how I practice models of therapy or how I engage with my clients because there's so much vulnerability, right? Like I think I said, I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, like my business is probably the most vulnerable thing about me because it is such like, it is so much of me in it. And I actively fought against any like every therapist I've ever seen has told me I would be a therapist and I was like haha that's funny absolutely not and like fought 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 and a lot of it comes from the idea of just like I have such a, a hard time with labels so like the idea of labeling myself as creative or labeling myself as a therapist or the newest one I'm up against as I've been recording podcasts all months with people is like thought leadership like I have such a hard time being placed into like these spaces that I I'm I'm learning about myself that I need ways to express what I'm doing without feeling like I'm fitting into someone else's perception of who I am and I think for me the self-portrait studio especially being a new mom was was that it allowed me to see myself really separate as a person instead of just this role of mom because you just get so sucked in so fast to it. Yeah, 
And that's, that was rolling through my head during my very first session was um, just almost this, this angsty frustration to get out of this constant um, mental track of, you know, mother, wife, sister, friend, mother, wife. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, no, <laughs> where am I in all of that? And then, of course, it's terrifying. The next step to look at yourself is is absolutely terrifying from that place when you've basically outsourced your worth your entire life. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my story. Not to project that onto yours, but there are so many overlaps. And I just think the reason that you joined is so beautiful. And I love when you called yourself a healer. That just felt, I mean, yes, it's a label, but it has a little more spaciousness to it than maybe a therapist. And um, mm-hmm. I very much see you in that role. So I have three questions I, we could keep talking forever and I'm definitely pinging you on the thought leadership conversation later, but <laughs> I have three questions that I want to close out the episode with and um, they're pretty easy. You don't know what they are yet. So just say whatever comes top of mind and it'll, it'll all work out. <laughs> Great. <laughs> My favorite. The okay. perfectionist in me is not showing up at all right now. <laughs> And if you need to take a breath, take a breath, um, but no pressure. So this one's pretty simple. I just want to know the last book you read. I read a lot of books. Um, I, I like probably have to pull up my Kindle. Um, it was a romantic comedy for sure, because that is my um, weakness. But honestly, I, I read like a book, a, a book a week. <laughs> and so the last book I read was, oh, Happy Place by Emily Henry was one. Ooh, Vacation okay. Wars by Megan Quinn was another. <laughs> I have like so many. Yeah, those are, those are the two most recent ones. <laughs> okay. Sound like you're down the summer reading rabbit hole. So those are perfect. Oh, I like, went, I wish it was just a summer reading rabbit hole, but this like all year time. <laughs> Anybody ever, the funniest part about my books is I do use a Kindle, but it's linked to my husband's Amazon and I only read romantic comedies basically. <laughs> and so all of like, if anybody ever comes to find me on like Goodreads or something, they're all linked under my husband, which is hilarious to me. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, uh, yeah. I, that again, a, a conversation for another <laughs> on that as well. Um, okay. Next. What is your favorite movie snack? Oh, I love raisinets in popcorn. Nice. Hey, Mm -hmm. that is like, that was so easy for you. Okay. I Mm -hmm. love that. And thank you for a, uh, oh, salty popcorn or caramel? Buttered popcorn. There you go. Of course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And okay, Becca, last question. What are you most proud of? Right now, I think I'm most proud of how well I'm handling my kiddos transition to daycare. I thought I would I, I'm allowing it to be really freeing and I'm really proud of that I'm allowing him to feel really free in it and I'm allowing me to feel like allowing my nervous system to actually calm down now that he's safe in there and not that he's not safe at home but I'm just my nervous system so wired to him that the space I can see the space making a huge difference and so I'm really proud of not getting in my head about that Oh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful one. Well, Becca, I'm so thrilled we found the time to sit down today. I know it took a little bit of coordinating for both of us. We had to get over respective COVID bouts. Um, So I'm really, really happy that this finally happened. And thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing your story. And it was such a pleasure. Yes, I'm so glad. And thank you for having me. And thanks for wanting to get to know me and being there. I think we just did connect. And this is kind of a really lovely to 
there is such a sweet spot between the moment that I meet someone for the first time and the moment that they learn I'm a photographer, the moment before they stop apologizing for not being photogenic, before they start telling me how bad they look in photos, how their eyes are always closed, how their family says that they couldn't take a great photo if their life depended on it. Before that happens, there's a moment when they don't know who I am and what I do. And that for me is the sweet spot because I'm observing them. I'm watching them closely. I'm watching how they tilt their head. I'm watching how they bring their hand up to their face. I'm looking at how the light is hitting them and how it's playing on their features. I'm mentally composing photographs of them. I can't help it. It's just something I do. And the interesting part is I'm having a wonderful time. There is nothing repelling me about this individual. There is nothing telling me that this individual is not photogenic, that this individual is not worthy of a great image of themselves. And to look at that image and to feel recognition and self-compassion and self-love. Then of course that all crumbles when I say the dreaded words, I'm a photographer. And they close up, they snap shut like a book. So if this is resonating with you, and if you would like to see what I see, if you would like to look at photos of yourself and see yourself through a photographer's eye, through the lens of self-love and recognition, I invite you to join me September 7th, 14th, and 21st. I am going to be teaching the self-portrait course modules live. Now this is an invitation for you if you want to join the self-portrait studio membership or if you want to move at your own pace and purchase the self-portrait course. Either way, you are invited to join me live for three weeks starting September 7th. You're going to go through the modules at your own pace, and then we are going to meet to talk about what is coming up for you. I'm going to give you my professional photographer's tips and tricks. We're going to get into your self-perception. We're going to talk about why your brain sees your photo the way it sees it, and why that is so different than what you see when you look in the mirror. I'm going to give you all of the tools you need to look at yourself with far more kindness and far more empathy. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if after you complete this, you are loving what you see and sharing what you see. In fact, many of our members go on to shoot their own photographs for their personal brands and their websites. It's that good. So this is your invitation to join me. I'm going to leave the links to sign up in the show notes and thanks for hanging with me. And that brings us to the end of another episode. I love to hear your thoughts and takeaways on these episodes, so let's keep the conversation going. Have a question you want me to answer on the pod? Drop me a line on Instagram. I'm 
at thegoldenbrandco and then head on over to the website thegoldenbrand.com to learn how we can work together and to download our free and popular ultimate guide to mood board mastery. Until next time, my friend, with love and lots of moxie, Lisa. Lisa.